Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. I love sales because sales really brings in uh, uh, you as a person, who you are as a person and your relationship with self. Also, you need to build relationships with others. And then you've got basically that whole mindset thing coming in on how you connect with people and how you get them to really understand uh, what their situation is. Because oftentimes sales gives you the ability to give them insights and then help provide a solution. And today we have Andrew, who is an author, a coach, uh, all around great guy. And he didn't tell me to say this, but I want to say incredibly handsome. Andrew, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mara. It's nice to be introduced that way. I appreciate it. So you're saying author. Tell us about your book. Yeah, so the book's called Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. And it's really a self-help book to help anyone uh, that is looking to ground themselves in this just chaos that we have going on around us. And salespeople, more than anyone, need that grounding. Absolutely. And I think... uh, you know, we've been using trees and especially the oak tree as a really good symbol uh, for what's possible within each one of us. And I like the way you use grounding because I think there's a lot of people that are not grounded. And I think that's a very real thing. And so talk to me about grounding. What do you mean about by grounding? Yeah, thank you. So when we talk about grounding, I use the analogy of the oak tree on purpose. Because before an oak tree sends forth any shoots or any really strong lateral roots, it Mm -hmm. drives a taproot deep to a source of water. And when we identify what that deep source of water and life is for us, and I call it in my book, a, a life mission, then we are grounded and we have a place from whence we can build out lateral roots and begin to grow into the purpose of what we were created to be. It's about getting to that purpose, that life mission, that source. So, uh, so I believe uh, we can be grounded, and I think that gives us uh, a lot of power. But if we also ground into purpose, and I think that just uh, exponentially makes it more powerful. So, A, do you believe we can be grounded and not be connected to purpose? And if that's the case... Uh, what's the difference between being grounded in purpose versus just being grounded? Because grounded is better than not grounded. So what do you make of that equation that I put out there? Yeah, I'm going to challenge that premise and say that we can't truly be grounded to anything other than purpose. If we are, it's a false sense of security. It's feigned grounding and it doesn't last long. It's why you see trees uprooted in storms because they didn't drive deep tap roots to a source of water. Okay, and I, I'm going to challenge you back on that because I yeah. think 
Because I think uh, there is a difference between the two. Because I think there are some people that are very, uh, very service, barely grounded. Yeah. And most of us aren't present in our body. Right. Uh, most of us are thinking about uh, what does Andrew think, think of me? Uh, or what should I, uh, should I be, should I be smarter? Should I be this? What am I going to do later? And they're up here. And there's some people that are grounded. They're just present in their body and can be fully attentive to Andrew as we're talking today. Sure. Then there's a deeper version of that, which you would call truly grounded. When I know what my purpose is and my purpose happens to be, I'm a joyful teacher. So learning from you is one of the reasons I do this podcast. And if I really want to learn from you and not, it's not about me and my ego, then of course it becomes a stronger connection. So that's when I meant the difference between being fully present in your body and then being present in your body and also being connected to your purpose is just, you know, the height of your humanity is that I think. Yes. I love that. I think that is a beautiful synergy to have both of those hand in hand being present, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically with our body, having those four alignment and then also understanding why, and when we have that why, it drives us to a greater degree of growth. So we could be grounded, but not have the capacity to then give and share and grow into what we are you know, meant to, to provide for this world. So let's talk about the why, because I think having your why has almost become a cliche. When things become a cliche, sometimes they're a, a cliche because that's the ultimate truth. And I think it is the truth. But I think for most people, it's like, uh, my why is my family, and which it could be, but I think we've lost the true meaning of the, I'm not, I'm going to use the word spiritual, but I'm just using it loosely. But sometimes there's a core, there's a reason you're on planet earth. And the reason you're on planet earth is your biggest why. And if you can tap into that, this is where it doesn't matter what the, like think of a Gandhi or a Martin Luther King. Like if their why was, I want to, you know, bring equality to this world, that would have been, had a certain level of power. But if it was like I was put on planet Earth uh, for justice, and that was like the why, that's like, then you can have people beating you and you still keep on going. Uh, so talk to me about how we get connect to the authentic why. So it's not just a superficial thing. It's, so let me give you one more piece of data, then I'm going to hand it over to you to kind of uh, illuminate it. If you go into any company right now, I'm in Toronto, uh, and there's like a gazillion companies around me, I can go to any company and I'll see on the wall, these are our values and this is our mission. When you ask people working in that company, so is any of that stuff true? And they're like, no, not really. This is not what we're, if they went through the exercise, but it didn't become embodied in who they are. So talk to me about how we discover our real why so we can actually tap into that power. Yeah, well, I think what you described there with a lot of companies and people is what you referred to earlier as this surface level, right? We mm. did it for doing's sake. We checked the box. It's on the website. It's on the wall. And in my book, I actually challenge each reader not to just go through the book. I don't want you to get through it. I want the book to get through you. And it was Stephen Covey who said that learning is changed behavior. And if our behaviors aren't changing, then neither is our mind. And if our mind isn't changing, then we as coaches and teachers are not doing our job. So how do we get to that point? I think we overcomplicate it, Lamar, to be honest. Mm. I, I tell in my book about this ninth grade art teacher that I had uh, my first year of high school. 
and I was doing this watercolor painting and I came to him and I said, I just, I can't quite get this, this right. And it was a, a scene from Lake Powell, that beautiful mm-hmm. lake between the border of, you know, Utah and Arizona. And, and I said, I, I want to get this, this water right. And he picks up the paintbrush and I'll never forget. He goes like this. And that painting is still in my mother's bathroom, right above the toilet. <laughs> Every time I look at it, I, I laugh that she still keeps it. And it's a great reminder that we often overcomplicate things. After he did that motion with the paintbrush, he looked at me and he said, Andrew, just kiss. I said, what's kiss? He said, keep it simple, stupid. Mm. He said, you overcomplicate things. And when we overcomplicate our values and our life mission and our why, then it doesn't stick. But you know what your life purpose is when you are serving someone. You know why you're doing that act of selflessness. And in that moment, if you were to stop and I were to say, why are you doing this right now? That answer that someone gives is usually the foundation from which we can build that life mission. Brilliant. And so I just uh, want to ask a question about your mom. Putting your picture above the toilet, was that an editorial comment? Or she knows everyone's going to see it when they come in. I, I think it's more of that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So, so one of the things we end up doing in life, just generally, is we tend to overcomplicate things. And so uh, a lot of messengers come uh, – sharing the same information that's been passed down from generations, sometimes in a different way, and it resonates with people more so. So two-part question. Number one is, why on earth do you think we complicate things in our lives? Because, you know, it's not just a few people, it's all of us. And if it's not me in most of my areas, there's some areas I'm certain I overcomplicate things. Uh, So why do you think, uh, A, do you think that's a true statement? And B, why do you think we do that? Why do we overcomplicate things when we don't need to? Yeah. So A, it's true. B, I'll give you a simple answer. I believe we overcomplicate things to justify not living into our life mission. And when we don't live into our life mission, we're not accountable. Yeah. Well, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard, and it's like, you know, somebody who's a writer, it's like people say, you know, so how do I get started? Just write. Acting, just act. And the act of... So what happens is this, is that uh, that's the most simplest advice you could get, right? Is like, do the thing you want to get good at. Because I'm a firm believer in, Andrew, you have the God-given privilege to suck. And people go, what? Wait a minute, what are you saying? And so a lot of people hold themselves back before they do anything. I need to get the right education. It needs to be really perfect or not perfect, but really good. And uh, what I believe is if you've got passion for it, just do. And if you do, there's a really good chance you're going to suck. And sucking is okay because you can say, what do I need to improve to do better? Or if Andrew's uh, higher along the evolutionary path, I'd say, Andrew, what can I do to do better? And the fifth time you do it, you're going to be pretty darn good. Like, Andrew, if there was something that you wanted to do that isn't in your skill set, you're a pretty smart guy and your first attempt, although it might suck, would still be pretty good if you didn't let the mindset get in the way. And the 10th time you do it, it's going to be pretty fantastic. Right. And so I think people need to just do. And the act of doing this two things. Number one, uh, you accomplish something so you can figure out what to improve. 
Number two, you stretch your comfort zone uh, and it allows you to go keep it expanding. And three, you get experience and experience is the only way you get better. And if you stay at the starting blocks and you don't get any experience, uh, taking the first step becomes scarier and scarier. So that leads me into my next question, Andrew. The comfort zone, is it friend or foe? <laughs> I guess that depends on uh, your perspective, right? Um, yeah, we, absolutely. We, we want that comfort zone to, to be both. We want to feel comfortable in our own skin. We want to feel comfortable with the goals that we're achieving. And we want them just to be uncomfortable enough that it pushes us a little bit further. I use snow skiing as an example. I've been snow skiing mm. since I was seven years old. And I love teaching my children how to snow ski. There's nothing comfortable about putting on snow boots, ski boots and snow skis. It's very uncomfortable. It's awkward. And yep, by, the time, absolutely. by the time you become proficient like me, it's still uncomfortable and it's still awkward. But there is a freedom that comes from getting into that place of discomfort. When I'm on the top of the mountain 30 plus years later, I have the freedom to go where I want to go and experience what I want to experience and hike where I want to hike and ski where no one else has skied before. So that becomes my foe made friend. Yeah, it's a brilliantly put. That's a great example. And thanks for traumatizing me, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Uh, in Toronto, uh, our high school uh, took us to a, a field trip skiing. And so everyone's lined up on the hill. The instructor's there. You snowplow down your very first thing. And I actually didn't snowplow down. I just went ah, all the way down and missed the entire lesson. So thank you for bringing that up. But no, uh, it's a great analogy. Like oftentimes when you go to do something new, it's going to be uncomfortable. And if you can get through the discomfort to the other side, there's something amazing there. And I think fear is the same way. Fear is your biology's way of giving you your most powerful state. When you're in fear mode, uh, it's basically fight or flight mode, uh, you are the strongest the best reflexes, you have the ability to get injured and not feel pain. You have the ability to focus on the most important thing and disregard everything else. But we've been trained that when fear comes up, we cower down and shy away when biology and the maker uh, put us here to basically uh, have the energy we need to get amazing things done. And as soon as you start moving in the direction of fear, all of a sudden you start to get more energy, more motivation, and you go, it's that inertia we need to overcome. So, uh, uh, so fact check me there, Andrew, does that make sense? Yeah, it most definitely does. I love to talk about negative emotions like fear or anger, sadness, hurt, and guilt as just a warning signal from our unconscious mind. And like a fire alarm, it's not the fire alarm that's the problem, it's the fire. And when we get into that place of negative emotion like fear, all our unconscious mind, which was given to us by our creator is saying is, hello you need to pay attention to something. And what you need to pay attention to is your thoughts because it's your thoughts that are causing you to be out of alignment with who mm. we are. And as soon as we can change how you're thinking about this and turn that light back on, darkness cannot be present. Yeah, I love that. That's like brilliant. And I'll just add to that is that uh, those emotions that we deem negative emotions Emotions are emotions. We just label them that. So just think of unworthiness in the scale of like really bad emotions, quote unquote, 
that would rank up there as, you know, one of the uh, superstars. But uh, let's say you felt unworthy about uh, public speaking, Andrew, which you don't, obviously. And here's one of the things you can do is just basically ask yourself the question, in this situation, what would make me feel worthy? And a freaking answer appears immediately. And you go, oh, I could just tweak that little tweak and it just changes. So yeah, those negative emotions are uh, wake-up calls to say, pay attention to something. And if you think about guilt is another one, you're not Jewish, are you, Andrew? Because if you're Jewish, you have a Jewish mother and you, she probably has a PhD in making you feel guilty. <laughs> but uh, uh, so guilt is basically anger directed at oneself. And anger is the energy you need to create change. Change doesn't happen by itself. And you can let anger crush you or you can go, wait a minute, this is a resource. How can I use that anger to change? And there's a quote from uh, Shakespeare. I'm going to misquote him here, so I'll paraphrase. You know, to be anger is to be stuck, but to get so angry, you become furious. This is where you break out of the stuckness and you get shit done. It's like uh, somebody says, you will never amount to anything. And we get so mad. We get so steaming mad. It's like, I will show you. Mm -hmm. And so use those emotions to help you get the energy you need to create the change that you want. So Andrew, as we're talking about solving the world's problems by helping humans be better at what they are, Let's talk about happiness. Uh, a, what is happiness and how important is happiness to one's fulfillment? Yeah. I, I don't really use the word happiness very often in my book. And Well, you just I, met me. Yeah. No, just kidding. Please go on. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I prefer, you know, I prefer the word joy. And I really believe that that true sense of joy is present when we have that alignment when those negative emotions have been learned from, when we're no longer resisting, we've all heard it said that what we resist persists, but what we lean into, we learn from. And when we can learn from those negative emotions and make those changes in thought and create new neural pathways that drive our behavior so that we get new results, then we are in alignment and we have fulfillment and we are grounded and we are producing and we have fruits mm. to share and shade to protect and wood to strengthen. So for me, that sense of joy comes when we have leaned into and learned from, made those changes, and therefore are able to show up how we were created to be. Brilliant. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and one of the simplest things, we were talking about overcomplicating things. Yeah. So. Andrew, I'm going to ask you a question here, live on air. Uh, in our interview, which is a pleasant interview that we're having, if you wanted to bring more joy into our interview in the last few minutes that we have, what could you do different to bring more joy into our conversation? Like what answer pops up into your mind? Uh, would be to make this more about you because that's my natural tendency as a coach and a teacher is I want to always dive into the person that I'm in front of. Yeah. And yet I recognize we have an audience that, that we are you know, sharing this with. But my first answer is always to dive into the person that's in front of me. So dear listeners and viewers, and thank you for sharing that, Andrew, is that uh, all you need to, we, we've got this answer machine right here. And if you believe in more of the esoteric, uh, that your heart connects more globally beyond us, that just by asking that question, just like Andrew did, the answer popped up right away. Uh, how could you make this, if I was asking myself, you know, how could I make this, interview 
more focused, uh, an answer pops up in my mind immediately. And uh, I'm not asking this right now, Andy, just this is an example of it, is I could ask Andrew, tell me about a time you faced a challenge where things were not going well. How did you overcome it? And then Andrew would share that story and everybody watching would go, oh my God, that's such a brilliant story. So for us, when we're going through life, one of the ways to simplify what we do is always be asking questions of ourselves. And when we do that, the answers appear. And if you don't have a really good answer, call Andrew and say, Andrew, what do I do here? So Andrew, before we part company, uh, two questions. Number one, what comes to mind right now in this moment as uh, the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> the best advice I ever received wasn't advice, it was example. And it's the nice. example of my father to work hard and serve others and the example of my mother to love others and be present for them. And that's how my parents, who are the ultimate strength of the oak, strength of the willow, the you know, personification of courage and compassion, it's how they live their lives. So my, that would be my advice, would be live your life in a way where you work hard, you serve others, you love them, and you're present for them in a place of courage and compassion. So yesterday, uh, we had somebody come for dinner, and uh, one of the things they do is they do astrological charts. And so somehow, they said, oh, let's do yours. They did mine. And this was one of the things that came up, is that, Umar, uh, what you need to do, in the, especially from April to October, is to not worry about money whatsoever and just be of service to people and give effortlessly and graciously to others. And that's what you're describing your parents, is to have that inner strength and have love and be giving. And so this kind of is a message from the universe to me is good advice yesterday, validated today. And here's the last question for you, Andrew. What question do you have for me? Oh, I have lots of questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess my question would be, and you may have already hinted at this earlier, why are you on this planet? What are you passionate about? So here's uh, what I'm passionate about is when we look at the people around us and especially people that we know, and it could be colleagues at work, could be family members, could be friends. And we look at this one person, let's call her Jane. And we'll look at Jane and go, oh my God, Jane could be so much more. I can see the potential in her is just so close and for some reason she can't see herself or she can see it and she doesn't allow herself to go there. And so I made it my life's mission to teach people how to access the best version of themselves. And one of the ways I do that is what we're doing right now, Andrew. And uh, this has been a really illuminating conversation for me. Have you said something that was uh, totally 100% something I've never heard before? Probably not. Have you said it in a way that impacted me in a powerful way? Absolutely. And so doing the work we're doing right now is what would make me happier than anything else is if somebody sends me an email saying, oh my God, thanks so much for having Andrew on the show when he said this. And you saw me distracted earlier while uh, you were talking and I was writing down, you know, I don't want people to get through the book. I want the book to get through them. You know, that was something like, okay, there's just that phrase is there, but there's something more deeper in that phrase 
that I need to explore. So that's why I do what I do is because I want everybody to reach their full potential, not in terms of, you know, I've got this business, I've got this thing, but if they can reach fulfillment, I truly 100% believe when you, Andrew, are shining brightly, that you are illuminating the pathway for others to go on their journey and you give them permission to do that. And Andrew, this is the first conversation of many to come. I just want to thank you very much for being on the show today. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, any last path, parting words? Where can people find you? Uh, and we're going to put all that in the show notes as well. So I think uh, we're going to tag you there. But uh, if people want to find you, where can they find your book and where can they find you? Yeah, the book can be found in a lot of places. The easiest place right now is Amazon. Again, it's called Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. My name is Andrew L. Anderson, and you can follow me at Andrew L. Anderson 85, my website, andrewlanderson.com. There are so many opportunities that we're presenting for the world, not just in the book, but to really ground ourselves in this much needed courage and compassion when turbulence has never been greater around us. That is brilliant, Andrew. Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, talk soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 